question. Richard, can you give us the latest in terms of where Manchester is as far as this tier two, tier three debate is concerned? Uh, well, it's a good question at the moment that uh, we had our last discussion with government uh, yesterday morning when the meeting closed, uh, said we would have another meeting later in the day. Uh, that meeting was, well, it was never arranged actually because uh, uh, they said they, they hadn't been able to answer the questions that we'd raised, so, which is fair enough. If they can't, there's no point in uh, meeting. Uh, nothing arranged today, although we do know that there are meetings taking place elsewhere in the north of England. So uh, certainly in Newcastle, certainly in uh, uh, Sheffield, and uh, famously or infamously, depending on your point of view, in Lancashire uh, as well. You live in Lancashire, don't you, Frank? Or do you still live in Lancashire? Between the two now, so I'm tier two and tier three, so it's... Oh, okay. Uh, All right, okay. So um, there was well, a, 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 a lunch... Yeah, lunchtime today, there was a meeting between uh, our chief executives and civil servants. Uh, we've got a meeting of leaders at three o'clock to uh, uh, get uh, the results of that. Um, clearly, we've set out very clear objectives that, uh, uh, yes, we want to uh, constrain COVID-19. Of course we do. Uh, we also, in particular, want to protect vulnerable people. Um, but we also want to keep our economy going uh, as well for lots of reasons, but also including uh, health reasons and not least mental health, where uh, mental health has increasingly suffered the more that people have been uh, re restricted in, in Greater Manchester. Uh, that's where we are at the moment. Um, we've seen nothing yet from government that would justify some of the measures that they want to take. No evidence that pubs, bars are particularly places of transmission. Let's face it, more people go to shops than go to uh, pubs and bars. That, that, uh, and uh, from what I can see, uh, from my own experience, shops are far likely to follow the guidance than uh, pubs and bars as well. So uh, I think part of our argument is that uh, uh, people do need to meet, but they should meet in a COVID safe environment. And that's be better than what we think the alternative would be. Uh, close pubs and bars. For those people who like to go to pubs and bars, they won't stop mixing with their mates. They'll just uh, buy, uh, uh, carry out from the off license and go to somebody's house and they will be in a very unsafe uh, environment. They've shown no evidence that actually from that point of view that restricting uh, bars and pubs would work. And I think most significantly, uh, the package of support they're offering for uh, businesses and the people who work in those businesses is completely uh, inadequate. And uh, it's inadequate for those that have to close as a consequence. Uh, and if they close, I think we're clear that uh, a lot will never reopen. And it's not strong enough for those businesses who don't have to close, are not forced to close, but actually because of the other uh, restrictions on people mixing uh, are, aren't able to function normally so actually they need financial support as well so that's where we are at the moment I've seen nothing from what's been agreed in Liverpool or Lancashire that suggests that there is anything remotely acceptable on the table at the moment mm. and I think this is an interesting move of the dial if I can put it that way in terms of where the debate's going because for some time, we've been conscious of the economic impact that even a tier two lockdown is having on our cities. Uh, but I think people have almost been overwhelmed with the evidence 
and the focus on health, understandably to an extent, I suppose. But when you look at that bigger picture and you take account of the fact that places like Leeds, Liverpool, Manchester still have uh, large swathes of deprivation, poverty, the last thing we need in terms of our longer term health interests in our part of the world is economic downturns. And that's what we're facing, Richard, at the moment, isn't it? Let's face it, we're already seeing businesses going into difficulties, job losses going up, unemployment rate now at 4.5%. So we do need to put a break on that somehow, some way. We do. Um, I think it ought to be clear what the government's focus is. You said it's on uh, health. It's At the moment, it's on a very particular aspect of uh, health, which is intensive care in hospitals. Um, and it's a legitimate concern. Uh, in April, May, we almost reached the point of intensive care being uh, overwhelmed, and it did squeeze out uh, other things. There's uh, particularly uh, people who needed uh, emergency care through uh, A&E. So there are legitimate concerns about that, but it is uh, a very narrow concern. Uh, I, I've talked to uh, the experts at uh, MFT, and they can identify who is likely to be hospitalised as a result of uh, COVID-19, and of those, who is most likely to require uh, intensive care. Um, apart from age, which we know is the biggest uh, single uh, factor, it is people with uh, underlying conditions, like people who are very overweight, uh, people with diabetes, people with high uh, blood pressure. The point is that we can identify who is at risk. And uh, one of the issues I have with government is that uh, why, if we know who is at risk, aren't we doing more in order to be able to support and protect those more vulnerable people? And surely wouldn't that be far more effective than hitting a whole load of people for whom the risk is minimal? I talked to the uh, vice-chancellors of... Uh, uh, man met in the University of Manchester earlier uh, th this week and um, clearly we've had thousands of students testing positive uh, and I asked well how many students do you know have got ill? Uh, I think man met had one. Uh, Nancy couldn't think of, of the University of Manchester couldn't think of any. You know there are huge swathes of people yes they are testing positive but they are not, get, uh, not getting ill. We ought to be able able to concentrate on those people who are at risk of getting ill. And by and large, for anybody under 50, unless you've got those underlying conditions, it's not you. And if you take those points into account, you would hope someone sometime would start to listen to that very logical approach to this thing. But it seems to me that government ministers were almost trying to create a party political row last night, which seems strange given the fact that from what I know, and you can tell me differently if it's the case, Richard, you've got Greater Manchester MPs who are Conservative members supporting the sort of line that you, Andy Burnham, and others are taking. Well, we've got clearly 10 councils in uh, Greater Manchester. One of them is Conservative-led. Uh, 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 they are part of the unanimous agreement between councillors and uh, of the Greater Manchester MPs, uh, it's probably the Conservative MPs are even stronger in their support for the position we're taking than uh, uh, some of the Labour MPs. I, I mean, we have got uh, 
at the meeting that took place with ministers between MPs yesterday, there was unanimous support for our position from MPs. But yeah, this is across the political uh, uh, d divide. This is not about party politics. This is about 10 councils, the combined authority, uh, and our parliamentarians all united in saying this is what we think is best for the people of Greater Manchester. And uh, that we have far more detailed knowledge of the not just the epidemiology of uh, uh, Greater Manchester, but also the demography, uh, where the areas of concern are, where the areas of transmission are. And that's why we are in a better position to dis design the methods for being able to control the virus. And we all want to control the virus. And ideally, we would like to be working with the government uh, to do that. We don't want to be in a standoff with government. It doesn't do uh, anybody any good. But trying to turn it into a party political issue is just wrong. It's not. There's unanimity amongst uh, Greater Manchester's politicians that uh, what government is proposing is just, well, won't work and will cause damage. And Richard, in terms of, you've said to us, you know, it was left on the basis that you'd left a series of questions for them to come back and answer. Uh, there's a meeting later on this afternoon. Um, but I think that I was surprised and disappointed, obviously, that Lancashire has been forced into a tier three position. It seems, from what I'm reading, that was against the wishes uh, of the local leadership there. If the government do simply say at some point, either today or over the weekend, well, Manchester is going into tier three or Greater Manchester is into tier three, are there any routes open to you to challenge that? Uh, I wouldn't have thought so. And uh, uh, I think also that we are responsible uh, uh, people, that uh, we have to put people of Greater Manchester first. And we're fighting like mad for the interests of Greater Manchester people. But if government makes that decision, and I hope they uh, won't, then clearly, uh, as uh, responsible local leaders, we will have to comply with that. And that brings me on to my next point, because, of course, if that happens, uh, or indeed if Manchester stays in Tier 2, we've already talked about the economic impact and damage that's been done. So did you get any sense that there was a willingness an appetite to have a conversation about those business support and economic support packages that we desperately need coming down the line now? Um, no, we got the direct imp impression that there was no uh, appetite to talk about those things uh, at all. And at uh, the meeting yesterday morning, we were uh, told almost flat, well, there's no more money. Uh, that, that's it. And if there's no more money, then there is clearly no basis for us to move our position at all. because. Uh, so we've laid down a marker and that marker is uh, a, a support for the people currently in jobs uh, in the city region and the businesses that employ them. And uh, I don't think, I don't see how we could possibly move from a, a position that doesn't continue to support those people and the, the, their workplaces. Uh, and the other point I just wanted to pick up with you, Richard, we had Tom Reardon on a call about an hour or so ago and he's in a a similar position to Greater Manchester, perhaps slightly better because he seems to be fairly confident that tier two status was staying in place. Still very much of the view that there wasn't enough being done for uh, the business support that you've spoken about.
but we've long been talking now about this northern powerhouse movement and cooperation and collaboration across the north. Um, are those sort of collaborations, those sort of partnerships still in play here? Are we having collective conversations? Yeah, well, uh, at its simplest, um, I'm on a WhatsApp group with the leaders of uh, Leeds, Sheffield, Nottingham and Newcastle and uh, Joe in Liverpool. Uh, and, and we are exchanging uh, information actually as it happens. So we are in, in contact on, almost on a continuous uh, basis. So yes, there is that dialogue and that we are uh, making sure that we know what's happening in all of our uh, uh, cities and trying wherever we can to take common positions but we also uh, have to acknowledge that we're not all in the same position uh, our circumstances are different but again that's part of our argument with governments is that if circumstances are different in different places you need to do different things not these blanket measures that uh, uh, is all they seem to come up with really so yeah we, we are in contact with there but there was an implication from the meeting we had yesterday, and this, I think, was uh, uh, reflected in the statement that uh, uh, Andy made uh, on behalf of Greater Manchester leaders uh, uh, yesterday. Um, it's when we got to a discussion of the economics, and they were talking about, uh, well, as well as the advice from the chief medical officer, that they've got advice from the chief economist uh, as well. And clearly, these two sets of advice are not complementary at all. Uh, but we got a distinct in, in impression that uh, the north of England's economy was almost disposable in, in terms of keeping the uh, uh, the rest rest going. Now that might be not the impression they wanted to give, but it was definitely the impression we got. That's somewhat surprising, given where we were in December, isn't it? You, you know, if, if a can bring politics into this, uh, Conservative government elected eighty majority largely on the back of the breaking down of what was known as the Red Wall of the North. So what's the political logic behind that? Sure, you can't answer that, but it is surprising, Richard, isn't it, that approach, if that's the one they're adopting? Uh, it is surprising. I, I don't know what the politics are that lie behind that. Uh, but you have to look at other things that have happened in the last few weeks and read uh, read the signs. And of uh, those Red Wall uh, uh, Tories in the north of England, they've clearly in the last couple of weeks have formed a, uh, a lobby group, uh, which clearly means that they're concerned that uh, the things that they were promised are not happening at the moment. So uh, I think that the fact that they are behaving that way says uh, uh, we're going to have to really put some pressure on if we are going to get the promises that were made by this government in that election delivered. Yeah. Now, let's get into a bit more of the uh, detail of what may or may not happen. But uh, again, you be aware there's a huge issue around that mental health challenge that you've mentioned and touched upon. Uh, and of course, what Joe Anderson has been arguing alongside leaders in Liverpool City region is even if you have to go into a tier three situation, that shouldn't impact on things like gyms and leisure centres for all sorts of reasons, not least mental health. And then lo and behold, this morning, Lancashire's announcement is made. And in the county, gyms are allowed to stay open, but over the border in Liverpool are not. Um, did you get into those sort of discussions or was that too early? Uh, we, we have not got into that sort of detail. 
uh, at all. I don't think we've really got past uh, uh, bars and pubs in Manchester, to be uh, uh, to be honest. But uh, and clearly, we hope we will never have to get into that sort of uh, uh, of detail. But uh, I'm with uh, uh, Joe, and uh, it, it is absolutely uh, madness. And I think we have to recognise two things uh, uh, out of this. Now, we we know that uh, trans transmission of the virus. Is largely comes out of people mixing, coming together. That, that, uh, so we need to do two things. We need to reduce the extent to which people mix uh, unnecessarily. Uh, but that you can't enforce that by and large what people do in the houses. That's got to be willing consent. People need to understand what they're being asked to do, why they're being asked to do it, and basically to agree to that. And again, that's particularly the case with those people in those vulnerable uh, uh, categories that uh, they can look after their own health. But at the same time, you know, we are uh, social animals. We're economic animals. We we have to work. Uh, we need we need human contact. We need to mix, and our argument, which should be, well, we do need to mix. Let's let's make sure the environments that we mix in uh, are safe, COVID safe uh, uh, environments. Again, I said I was talking to a, uh, the uh, present vice chancellor and uh, vice chancellor of University of Manchester and, and Man Met, and uh, basically saying that you know their teaching spaces now from that point of view are about as safe as you can, you can get. You're probably safer there than being at home, actually. Um, and uh, you can create that environment. I was uh, in a, a pub or outside a pub because I was with people I can only mix with outside. So I was, but outside the, uh, the Bowling Green in Chilton, not, not my end of the city, but I'd gone to visit somebody uh, uh, there. Clearly, uh, the pub has spent a lot of money in creating a safe environment outside, but they're doing all, all, all the things. Everybody had their details, contact details taken. Service was at the uh, uh, table. Uh, if there's nobody there, we got the app that you could call call somebody. All of the sanitizers, all of the things you expect uh, in, in a place. Oh, the staff are all wearing masks. Uh, everything you would expect. Now, if businesses are operating in that safe way, following the guidance, what purpose is served by closing them down, particularly after they've made all that investment to make it a safe environment? I can't see it. I just can't see it. I agree more, Richard. Listen, I, I'm going to open uh, questions into our chat room. We, as I say, haven't got massive amounts of time with Richard today. Um, but the one final point from me, I'm reading the media reports from overnight and I've got you, Andy Burnham and Bev Hughes all over the pages, champion in the North. I've got Gary Neville as a co-author of a manifesto to save football. And we've got uh, Rashford there championing the cause of kids on free school meals. Um, for all sorts of reasons, it's not been a bad day for Manchester in terms of its reputation, has it? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we, but in all of these, we're fighting rearguard battles, aren't we? And that's not the fighting rearguard battles is not the Manchester uh, way. We, we, we want to be on the uh, front foot uh, for all of those things. Um, we're not in the place we want to be. And I think we have to be uh, very, very honest. We are not in the place uh, we want to be. Um, there is a distinct possibility uh, that government will force us into an even worse, worse place, not only against the wishes of elected representatives, but as far as I can see, uh, from 
the reaction we've got, the vast majority of uh, Greater Manchester people uh, as well. That is not where we need to be. It's not where we should be. So, yeah, okay. Um, we're, we're getting lots of uh, uh, publicity, but it doesn't actually mean a thing unless we're at the end of it. It means we're able to take the city forward. Thanks, Richard. This, um, just a comment, I think, more so than anything, from Andy McIntyre uh, of uh, BSI. Rational, calm and evidence-based, compassionate leadership. Many thanks to Sir Richard. And I think Manchester's built its regeneration over a quarter of a century, its renaissance, on the back of all of those things he's mentioned. You know, rational arguments, a calm approach and evidence-based, uh, you know, everything. I mean, you go back to the Manchester Independent Economic Review. You really are a city in a city region that has brought evidence together to make cases to government to get that investment, and you're simply asking the government to provide the same sort of evidence back. Yeah. Well, uh, they brought us the Deputy Chief Medical Officer, and uh, uh, clearly they thought getting the... Uh, uh, Jonathan Van Tam in to talk to us would convince us of the error of our uh, ways. At, at the end of the, uh, the session with Jonathan, we're even more convinced not to take the government's uh, offer because uh, now admittedly what he wanted to do was even more drastic, but he was telling us that I don't think this, what, what we got, first of all, he, he couldn't give us any uh, evidence that what government was doing uh, was the, the right thing to do. But and anyway, it wouldn't work. So uh, it doesn't really matter how much money is on the table. Ultimately, uh, if you're being paid to do something that's not going to work, that's not going to bring uh, cases down, why would you do it? Absolutely. I've got a question here from uh, an old colleague of both yours and mine. This is from uh, Robert Huff. Uh, and he's asking from Peel, the absence of office workers in the city centre is clearly having a material adverse effect on the city economy. In those circumstances, does Richard return, uh, favour a return to office work wherever possible, notwithstanding the overall tier constraints? Uh, a very simple answer to that is uh, yes, I'm sat in my office now and I've been working from the office for, uh, well, pr pretty much ever since uh, September. I'm in probably at least four days, sometimes five days uh, a week. Um, going back to the mental health issue, uh, I was quite, really quite surprised just how much uh, my well-being improved by coming back into the office rather than working from home. And I'm in the fortunate position, I live on my own and I've got a workspace at uh, uh, home. And many, many people don't have that, but I, I felt, enormously better coming back into the uh, office. Uh, clearly, this is a COVID safe environment, but I think if people have got a COVID safe work environment, uh, then they ought to be able to go to work and it's probably gonna be good to them to uh, uh, go for work. Uh, I was talking yesterday uh, to a major employer uh, in the city, I shan't uh, uh, name them, but talking about the effect on uh, a lot of their staff of working from home is effectively they'd almost lost the identity of working for the uh, for the company uh, because that was the impact of being at home had and certainly and the younger those staff were the more the negative impact on their well-being as uh, as well so to robert's question it's a simple answer is yes uh, the, there is one real issue here and 
uh, there are quite a few surveys, in individual companies, OBI did a survey uh, for the business sounding board in Manchester, which shows actually people aren't worried about being in work, they are worried about the journey. Um, I think there is work to uh, do, particularly for people using public transport, uh, to give people confidence about using it. Um, I came in on the uh, uh, tram today because my bike got a puncture yesterday. Uh, so, uh, or I would have been on the, on the, on the bike, but no, it was, um, people were distancing, everybody was wearing a, a, a mask. Uh, compliance with mask wearing on public transport now is really, really uh, high. And we just need to get that message over that uh, uh, it, it is relatively uh, safe to be uh, using public transport but yes Robert people should be back at work <laughs> right and final points and several people have uh, emailed in about this Richard and it's the uh, school situation any indication from the government that they're looking to have another close down of schools uh, the opposite really and uh, which I'm pleased about is that for schools colleges universities uh, um, and they have told us it's a priority to keep them uh, open and I think that is the, the right thing uh, to do so uh, if you think we're just looking for arguments with the government for the sake of it here's me agreeing uh, agreeing with them and again this is uh, about young people's uh, well-being uh, loads of teachers have reported on what kids said when they came back to school just how happy they were to be uh, back in school because of the impact of uh, being at home all the time but of course it's their long-term future as well is that we do we can't ignore the long term particularly for our young people because uh, you know they might have to suffer 50 60 years as a consequence of things happen now if we're not very very careful and we must not allow that to happen Richard thanks so much for giving up uh, some time to be with us this afternoon and hopefully I've uh, said this to you at least three or four times now through this thing. We'll see each other face to face very soon. Thanks, mate. I certainly hope so, Frank. See you soon. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thank you.